Welcome back to another episode of Direct Response Secrets. I'm your host, Zachary J. Radford, and today I have another amazing guest for you, David L. Deutsch. If you're not familiar with him, he is only a world-class uh, copywriter who's written for some of the biggest names in business, just not in our industry, in other industries, uh, complete giants, and his copy has produced billions of dollars in revenue. So when David speaks, I listen. When David speaks, you should listen as well. Uh, this was, I had a great time on this podcast, to be honest with you. We just kind of talked about uh, cool marketing ideas. We talked about how to think about writing copy, how to come up with your big idea, and a ton of great value, all for you, all for free in this podcast. Get your coffee, get your tea, get your pen, get your pad. Let's go take some notes. Nuggets are falling from the sky. Make sure you catch them and let's get into it. All right, welcome back to the show, David. Thank you very much for being here. Um, as mentioned, I've already given you a beautiful introduction and everybody knows who you are. So let's just kind of step back a little bit in time. How did you become the copywriter, direct response uh, person that you are today? How did you get your start? Well, it was quite an, it was quite an, well, first of all, happy to be here. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was my bad. I just, I rolled in with the question. <laughs> We've talked a little bit beforehand and it's already been great talking to you. So I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, I um, appreciate that, David. Um, you know, I started almost by accident. Um, I was working at Ogilvy, uh, kind of in an administrative capacity. Mm -hmm. um, I got in, you know, I tried out for writing copy, got into a division that wrote copy. And that division that I got into kind of did all sorts of things, right? They, we did a, we did a guidebook to Bermuda. We did trade ads. We did, you know, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. It wasn't just advertising. So it already kind of, and, and plus being at Ogilvy, you already kind of have this propensity toward accountability and even direct response because Ogilvy was kind of a, of a direct response. Yeah. Person. Like the Godfather, wasn't he? Like I, one of the oldest videos that I could find of somebody talking about direct response, it was, it was David. And before that, a lot of his, well, Claude Hopkins and and all of those crates were doing right. a certain version of it, but they didn't really have a, a name for it and coined it. And I think David definitely was close to to putting that crown on the, the term of yeah. what we call direct response today. I mean, he called it his first love and his secret weapon, you know, because <laughs> uh, he, when he was at an agency in England, his brother worked at um, he, he used direct mail to kind of uh, revitalize this hotel that was one of their clients. That's cool. You mentioned, uh, so you get, were creating a guide. So was that like content marketing uh, for promotion of Bermuda, essentially? No, it was really just a guidebook. Um, uh, KLM was one of Ogilvy's clients. Okay. And the guy I worked for had connections with KLM and had connections with, you know, travel and all that, and somehow either felt there was a need for a guidebook to Bermuda or wanted to go to Bermuda. <laughs> so I got, to, I got to go to Bermuda. And, you know, it was interesting. You know, you learn from everything, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing that I'll always remember 
about that because I, you know, my job was to go out and go to this shop or this restaurant, you know, to write about it. Mm -hmm. And he said, when you go into places, you always want to find one unique thing to say about that place that makes it different from any other place. He said, always look for the grandfather's clock in the foyer, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just such great advice. You're always looking for that. What's that, that one thing that stands out? Yeah. Talk yeah. That's what a, a great real... job though, David. Yeah. Like, dude, <laughs> just going to go to Bermuda. I'm going to eat at all the restaurants, go shopping and then write about it and look for amazing things. <laughs> like... I, I still, to this day, there are times when I'm doing something related to copywriting and I go, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. No, yeah. Pinch me now. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's absolutely great. And so we're, so you were right out of school and then you landed into the agency world. Um, oh, I, well, I kicked around for a little bit. I did some teaching things. I drove a school bus. I, you know, I taught at a, at a Montessori school, um, I did music therapy with kids. Um, awesome. I did, yeah, like a bunch of things. Hey, one thing uh, I find about great copywriters in general, direct response marketers, is that they've done a plethora of things. And so uh, even I, I saw a really old interview of Eugene Swartz, and he's saying the same thing. Like he he takes all this, this information and kind of puts their perspective on it and puts it out into the world. Like I think about my career... And it is the most backwards ride to where I am yeah. now. I, I work construction. I delivered pizzas. I like you name it. I I did it. I did roofing for a while. I went out west, all over the different place. But I was able to uh, from that process learn how to to speak to a lot of different people uh, mm -hmm. of of all statuses, and uh, you know that is translated into my copywriting, into my marketing, and I, I really put myself in other people's shoes, and and I think. I, I can just tell by speaking to you, you had the exact same experience, right? Like you, you did all these little things, you, you dabbled, and then you kind of found something that, hey, this this is great. They're going to pay me to write what? <laughs> like that's how I was, anyways. I'm like you, you want me to do what? You want me to to write? Uh, okay. I don't, I don't know so much as that they're paying me to write so much as it is they're paying me to talk to this person about you know some interesting topic that I then have to write about. Love it. You know, or they're paying me to, you know, uh, or, you know, the people that I've met from doing this, right? You know, yeah. I got to meet and work with Jay Abraham, who, you know, you said one of your, you know, people that you admire. I mean, yeah. And I, I'm easy. Stuff. I'm easy in this uh, category. I admire everybody. I'm trying to learn from as many people as I possibly can. And I always have information and Jay's one of those, his library of content is absolutely massive. So I'm like, I've scratched the service. Dan Kennedy's another one. I like Russell. I like Brian Kurtz. I like, I, and then I, of course you got to have Halbert and, and those guys as well. I've been consuming that content, but to get kind of back on track here, you, you worked at the agency and then what was your next step out of the agency did you were you like i'm going to be a copywriter now this is what i do and or what did that look like no not really i i kind of started working at other agencies right that mm -hmm. were smaller i guess any to some extent any agency is smaller than ogilvy because <laughs> it's but, like it was the biggest right yeah one of the biggest one certainly. of the top five um, the, it was the best it was the best and um while I was working at other agency, I really enjoyed doing other stuff, right? Mm 
Mm -hmm. I really did a little bit of media placement. I did a little bit of, um, you know, I did a lot of new business. I really enjoyed chasing after new business. I think the oh, key right word in that was new, right? Yeah. This is like, I get to learn about something new. Yeah. Right. I get to go to Detroit and learn about tires. I get to go, you know, to Washington and learn about, you know, the American Automobile Association, well, whatever it was. I, I yeah. really enjoyed that, the competitive aspect of it. Like you get to win, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You very seldom get to win in copywriting. You win for a while and then someone else beats your control or, yep. you know, never really feel like it's enough. Right. Yes. I, okay. <laughs> but I didn't like trounce the control or, you know, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is making millions, but it's not making billions, you know, there's but always when you room for improvement. It, like, <laughs> yes. Get the trophy. You've won the account. So yeah. Yeah. I really, sure. I really, hey, you like I doing really, the sales and, and all of that stuff and the whining and dining. Did, about, did, yeah. The sales, the whining and dining, the, just like I say, finding out about a business, right. Yeah finding out about new stuff how do we new problems to solve. i get i get kind of bored after the problem's been solved right yep now the slog through creating i want to go on to the neck and i'm really pretty good at coming up with creative clever solutions to things so i would rather do that than you know than so do the you know fulfillment it's like someone that start likes to start comp companies. It You're a quick a, start. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say I'm a quick start, but yeah. <laughs> or something, or at least a lifelong learner. And that's what gets you excited. And you've identified that on, throughout your journey, right? I, I think it's more ADD. It's like, okay, I've done this. <laughs> on to this. Okay, yeah, on to the next. Uh, and so what impact did that have on your copywriting career then learning the sales and that process? Because a lot of copywriters are behind the scenes and they don't necessarily get yeah. to see that side of it. Did it. Has that had an impact on your oh, career sure. anyway? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 always helpful to know contextually what your copy is going to be doing, right? Mm -hmm. To know the flow of the funnel, to know the 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 mechanisms, to know where the money is to be made right to know that if you increase the amount of leads that you get all things being equal it's just as good as increasing your conversion by the same amount right you double the amount of leads you double yep. double the amount of sales that you eventually mm -hmm. make. um it's good to know that all leads are not equal right all sales are not equal Right. 100%. You could be very happily being like, oh, look, I got 100 sales today. I only got 50. You know, I only got 80 yesterday. Well, yes, but the 80 you got yesterday have a lifetime value of, you know, $1,000. And the ones you got today have a <laughs> lifetime value of $50. So we're actually making more money. You know, that yes, sort yes. of thing is is useful stuff to know. 100%. That reminds me of a clients are the same way, right? Like not all clients are created equal. You could have 10 clients of a certain kind that are amazing and you could have one that is not. So they're not all created equal, just like the sale. I like that. That, that is true. Just good clients are just, you know, gold, right? Just the in best. terms of being able to work with, in terms of wanting to spend time with them. You know, I've really yes. been blessed to have some great clients that I've, you know, I mean, that's, again, that's what I love about copywriting really is the, the clients that I've met that have become friends that I've learned from. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. I, so it scared me a little bit 
how few, if any, friends I have that are not <laughs> in the business. In That's somewhere. a good problem to have, though, I think, because you end up spending so much time. Like for me, I... Uh, when I first built Profitable Ads, we were a media buying agency and we would buy media for anybody because we had to eat. <laughs> and then as we started to grow, I, I realized I had surrounded myself with a bunch of what I call takers, like people that were like, how high can you jump? Huh? All this different stuff. So I really didn't love my business when I... Uh, and we we're doing good numbers financially, but I was kind of in this like stuck position. So I took a step back mm -hmm. and that's when I found Brian and some of his stuff and over deliver. And I built a non-negotiable list. And one of the non-negotiables was like, would I have this person over at my house to meet my family and have dinner with them? If the answer is no, then I don't even, I don't talk to them. <laughs> like I don't talk to them. And, and it's not like um, trying to be cocky in any way. I just want my time to be enjoyable because I only have the set amount, right? Like, and I want to make sure we're using it to the best of our abilities. Do you find the same thing when you're trying to pick out clients? Uh, yeah, to some extent, to some extent. Um, there are probably, I don't know that I've got quite that rigorous a criteria. Um you know, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Stan Dahl, my friend's partner, Stan Dahl mm -hmm. has a, a list kind of, but it's a little modified. It's like, these are the things I want to do. These are the things I don't want to do. And in the middle is kind of, these are the things I will do in order to be able to get to doing more of the things that I love to do. You Smart. know? Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I, I think part of the art of, I'm getting really philosophical here, but part of the art of business or the art of, of um, what do you call it? The art of being a copywriter or being a freelancer mm -hmm. is maybe working with people that aren't people that you, you know, that you don't dislike or anything, but you might not want to be friends with them. You might not have a lot in common with them in a way that's Especially kind in of my early years. You know, yeah. I think as you establish, you have more control. In my early years, I would work for anybody. Like I would do right. whatever it took to get my foot in the door. I, I was just based on the non-negotiables. It's just, it's like, it's a freedom for me. Like I don't like to work weekends uh, and I will right. work weekends, but you're going to have to pay. <laughs> you well, know what I mean? Like, do. I, I, you know, I, I don't really care if they, if I would invite them over to my house. Yeah. But I would care. They don't expect me to work weekends. You know, yeah. they, 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 you know, Dan Rosenthal, a, a genius copywriter of the early financial newsletter type days, used to look for clients that willingly wrote big checks that were glad to write you a big check. Yep. They knew that if they were writing you a big check, you had made them a bigger check. Yep. Boardroom was like that. They used to send checks with balloons and little note from Marty. And, you know, That's they were awesome. so happy to write checks. And, it, and you, how you many know. how many writers wanted to write for them? Yeah, a lot of writers. Everybody. Because they want to get paid. I mean, just they used to FedEx the checks. I mean, that yeah. alone told you something, right? Yes. They were anxious to get those checks into yeah. your hands. No, I, I think that's awesome. I think that's absolutely awesome. And, and it just, it's a statement in itself, just in the way things are getting paid. That's another one being paid promptly is all my non-negotiables. Um, you know, 
and I do bend from them occasionally, but every time I do, I regret it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I always get back in line. So <clears throat> that's the thing about boundaries, right? It, yes. You, you have to stick to them. Yes. <laughs> and it's remembering to stick to them. And I was like, as if I forgot this thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the thing about boundaries too, is that it's hard to stick to them or you wouldn't need to make them a boundary, right? Yeah, it's true. It's that, what is that? Willpower in advance, right? Yeah. You have cookies in your house, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you got to be able to like, make sure you don't eat the full jar <laughs> right away. Um, yeah. I think it's sure. hard for people to realize that some things are, um, what do you call it? Uh, bilateral, by, you know, toggle kind of thing is on or off right either yes, you stick black or white you don't stick with your boundaries yes. either you meet deadlines or you don't meet deadlines either yes. you either i can count on you to do something or i can't count on you to do something yes no i can sort of count on you to do something right it's, yeah because otherwise then I, yes it's, no. it's like being a little bit pregnant right there's it doesn't <laughs> exist <laughs> it is and uh that's why we're constantly i'm constantly working on myself anyways trying to figure out what that line is what that looks like um so you then went around to other agencies and i want to tie this back into direct response when did you first obviously um uh made their amount as you were doing that what when did you implement that into like your campaigns and your way of thinking of direct response? Was it well, always been that way or what did that look like? Well, I think it was, it was after I discovered Jay Abraham. Okay. After I, I was awesome. working at an ad agency and I bought some stuff, you know how it is. You buy some stuff for $50 then you buy some stuff for $500. Then you buy some stuff for $5,000. Yeah, all I do. <laughs> I figure if this guy can make me spend $5,000, you know, there's gotta be something. something good. Stuff. It was sort of self, you know, self uh, confirming in a way. Yep. And I wanted to do what he does. I, I wanted to be sort of a junior JM and, and, say i'll i'll work with you for you know 25 cents for every dollar i make you kind of thing. yeah and it's probably taken me a whole lot of years to get there but yeah. i'm finally more toward that now a lot of what i do is more being partners with people you know That's uh, interesting. Being a strategic partner uh even working with them in terms of copy and it's a for a percentage of you know, sales generated or profits or part of the business or whatever. Yeah. And, I, uh, I love that. I, I yeah. find that that opens up to great clients as well, because is you have some skin in the game. If you can't perform, then, you know, and at this stage of your career, obviously you have a massive tra track record to be like, I can do it. <laughs> but, but at the same time, somebody who's newer, who's coming up and is thinking like, should I be looking for a retainer? Should I be looking for percentage deals, not partnerships? I like to think in terms of partnerships. I like if you really get along and understand what the business does and you're good at what you do, it, it makes sense to be a partner because if everybody's facing the same way, it should be successful. And if not, you all fail together, right? Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of things about being a partner, right? When skin in the game is so huge, right? Yeah. It's motivating in terms of making you do better. It's motivating in terms of the client, like appreciating that you have skin in the game and that you're yeah. you're really a partner. It's it's also great for learning. 
because if you do something and you have no skin in the game, it's kind of like, okay, I did it, like on to the next thing. But if you have skin in the game, you're, why, okay, how did that perform? Oh, look at that. It got more leads, but the leads are worth a little bit less. Oh, more, open, you know, you're yeah, really yeah. looking at it in a different way because you have skin in the game. You remember it. It's like, yeah, I did that and it made me more money. Yeah, right? 100%. More of that. And yeah, we do 100%. More, you know, Versus just being the machine to churn it out, you're kind. You're actually yeah. there. You're present. You're learning and making it better because your paycheck depends on it. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think I, I think mainly it just or it enables you to offer, to some extent, it enables you to offer a better value proposition to the client, because yeah. as Jim Rutz told me once, people resist paying you a bunch of money up front. They love to pay you a bunch of money out of the profits they make. So smart. Uh, and I, I think I learned that the hard way as well. I also had some deals that didn't work out well, but I've had a couple and that's all you need as a couple to be right. And that that'll pay you in residuals and all different types of stuff. I think that makes a lot of sense. So it's kind of like investing in uh Angel investing, right? You only need one on, on most of the thing, but then you're gonna, it's going to be an Uber, and you're going to make you know you pay for a hundred of your mistakes with you one hundred of your mistakes, right? Right? Yeah, right. that's awesome. Uh, so I, I want to talk to you about your creative process. I, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, uh, you've been talking about coming up. Uh, you have a process of coming up with big ideas. Do you want to dive into that? Maybe share some information on how we go about discovering the big idea as a copywriter, as a marketer, and even as an entrepreneur? Sure. I mean, first, I think it helps to know what a big idea is, uh, which is, um, I guess, if we're, we're talking about copywriting for the most part, right? Correct. And, you know, a big idea is something you can build your promotion around or build your ad around or build your campaign around. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's something that makes you go, wow. It's something that makes other people go, wow, and go, I wish I had written that. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, it's something that brings emotion into it, right? There's an emotional yeah. component to think different, you know, which is a mm -hmm. big idea that brings a feeling, uh, into it. Um, end of America is a very, you know, the Agora campaign. Yeah. That's terrifying. If you thought about it, like from that you're just going about your day. You're seeing that end of America. What's this? I need to pay attention. What's yeah. happening? It's that urgency. Stop you in your tracks. What's going on? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, big idea can be like an analogy. And because when you said tracks, you reminded me of, of a great ad Porter Stansbury did. I think it was this, the um, a new railroad across America. And it was when the internet was first coming out mm -hmm. and he anal analogized the internet to the railroads smart. and how the railroads connect. It is. It's so smart it is because smart. it's so smart because um, the, the, of the, of the, not just the aspect of connectivity, right. And of mm -hmm. connecting things, but the, the, the gold rush that was the initial when the railroads came out and how it made so much money for people. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was listening to the woman that came up with the, um, came up with the name unicorns to describe billion companies that had reached a billion dollars within to 10 years. Yeah. The first year, right. The Ubers, the, 
you know, we works the, you know, whatever. And she was saying one of the reasons that she thought that caught on was not so much, oh, it's a cute name. So everyone started calling companies like that unicorns. Yeah. But not only was it a cute name, but it had this magical quality to it. Yes. It had this quality of it exists, but it doesn't exist. This uniqueness to it. Yeah, special. And that's what makes something a big idea, right? Calling those companies unicorns, yeah. right? With a big idea. It changed everything for her company because she had started that and she was talking about that and she was the unicorn person. Yeah. So I think, first of all, the ability to recognize good ideas, right? To look at things and say, what's the idea behind this? <clears throat> yeah. Not just look at that headline, right? Or mm -hmm. laugh when I sat down at the piano, but when I started to play, dot, dot, dot. Okay, yeah, that's a nice headline, but why, right? What's the big yeah. idea behind yeah. it? Well, the big idea behind it is redemption, right? People laughed at me and now I'm redeemed, right? Yeah. How can yeah. you use that, right? You don't have to copy the exact words, yeah. but how yeah. can you say, hey, you know, my doctor thought I was crazy when I told him I was going to, you know, take this for my yeah. whatever. But, you know, now that I'm, you know, avoiding my, now that I, now that he's not going to have to do the surgery, you know, he's not really, you know, he's going to do it with his other patients. So you're not talking about laughing. You're not talking about anything, but you're using that, that basic idea. So like the, the pull, or I don't know, I sometimes call it a mental trigger, uh, it's hard to find an exact word for it, but it's the human psychology underneath. Yeah, we all right. want to be seen, heard, felt, all these different things. And they're all these triggers. And that's just one of them to, to kind of like bring them in to, to stop their attention. I, I think of um, like a great idea. What, what book was that? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Anyways, continue. It'll come back to me. But there's okay. a, a book I read that essentially they're saying that ideas are just a crossroads of of like two other ideas merging together. Uh, Michael Ooh. Masterson, I think, wrote it, but I'm I'm gonna mess mess up the name. Anyways, I'll let you continue with your story. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, that talking in terms of process, right? Yes. One aspect of the process is just combinations, right? Because you're right. Ideas are in essence combinations. If you take mm -hmm. a snowmobile, right? What's a snowmobile? It's the treads from a tank. It's an outboard. It's a motor from a motorboat, an outboard kind of a motor. It's, you know, it's skis on, you know, some of them are skis. Um, it's bicycle handles, you know, that you steal with and steer with. It's all these things combined, you know? Coming um, into one, one thing. Yeah, I mean, what's Uber? It's a taxi cab company combined with, you know, an app. It's so. Yeah. What's interesting about Uber is it's just like, a, a, like, and I don't know if you've ever tried to take a cab since Uber, but it is not a great experience. You go to your, out your window, you're sticking your head. It's like that anxiety of when's my cab going to be here? When's my cab right, going right. to be here? They kept that away. And that's such a pleasant experience. Yeah. No well, one Roy, Southern, Roy, Roy Southern talks about that. You know, yeah. this, that, that the genius of of Uber, people usually, you don't, but people usually think is just that you can use an app and you can call on your phone. But really the genius is, even if it takes the same amount of time 
for you to for the cab to come to you. You know it's on the way and you know where it is. And it's a yeah. huge relief of anxiety, just yes. like in some cities on the subways, they have next train in five, you know, five minutes, right? I yeah. Mean, even if it was next train in a half hour, at least you know. Yes. Right? And you feel okay with it. Because yeah. he's got another one with the uh, he talks about the airport. Did you did you hear that story that he he shares where essentially an airport paid him a ton of money to like save them time and people are complaining about the weight and then they were just instead of um, what did they do? I think they just basically uh, oh I'm gonna butcher the story anyways. But I'll, like I'll, do, I'll, do you okay, know which one I'll, it is? I'll, I'll tell you the story. Okay, uh, British. I may get the names wrong, but British. British Rail came to them and said, um, the British Rail came to them and said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna speed up the the this the, the train service from London to Liverpool That's or whatever. It was. We're gonna cut 10 minutes off of it. And we wanna promote the hell out of that. <laughs> and we've got, we're gonna, it's gonna cost us a billion dollars to do it, and we're gonna spend, you know. $10 million promoting it. And he yeah. said, you know, screw that. Why don't you just give free free high speed Wi-Fi, have you know beautiful people serving free drinks. <laughs> yes. It'll cost you like a couple of million dollars. Yeah. You'll save billions of dollars and people will want the trade ride to take longer, not shorter. How smart is that? And it's such like an out of the box type of thinking because we think we want something else. And it's like, just give them what they truly want. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Make it more enjoyable and they'll get to where they're going. I thought it was an airline and that's what kind of messed me up. But that not that a great story like that? That is so, so cool. What does he call it? Human engineering? Uh, something yeah. Else? yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, behavior. It's behavioral science. Behavioral science. Um, it's like fascinating. Know, what, why do people really do things, right? Fascinating. And uh, my other idea that kind of came to me, it's like, I think when I'm writing copy and coming up with the big idea, it's like saying something that everybody's thinking, but not yet saying. Do you, does that make sense? Like, no, it's absolutely. kind of hard for me to articulate that, but that I like, we had I a think client- who was selling a, this golf toy and essentially it's like an indoor golf meets beer pong toy. Silly thing. We sold millions and millions of dollars of this thing. He came to us. Nobody can get it to work. Nobody can get it to work because it was COVID. And I was like, well, what is everybody thinking right now? Everybody's thinking that, you know, once this is over, I want to hang out with my friends. I want to have some drinks. And so basically I just wrote an ad that said just that, like, this is going to pass. You want to buy this now so you can practice when your friends uh get back so millions and millions of units of this thing and it was just addressing the elephant in the room yeah yeah Yeah. everyone else letting their skills rust don't you do that you know get that come on this is the time to practice you're at home you got tons of time you know and COVID's happening and when you do finally get back together you'll be the master and everyone will praise you it's kind of like um, it's the opposite of the redemption, but it's like the uh, the praise, you know, and to be seen, which is cool. Not to get too far off track, but I, th- I think a lot sure. of copywriting is really just giving voice to the unseen or unheard or thoughts in people's heads that they can't quite articulate, yeah. showing them a glimpse of the world that makes everything make sense, Right. I mean, yeah. conspiracy theories do this to a certain extent, which is why they're so powerful. But instead of some wacko conspiracy theory, to be able to show them 
what's going on beneath the surface. How does it really work? I don't know for investing newsletters. How does China, you know, what are they yeah. doing secretly that that we're not seeing? What's the connection between the war in Ukraine and you know what's going on in with China? You know, whatever it is, right? Yeah, How, yeah. Oh, they're already like something's happening. I just don't know what it is. And then the letters yeah. like this is what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like giving people you know the glasses that they used to sell in comic books. Where you could have X-ray vision, yeah, right, three D. We all want those glasses, right? We yes. want to be. Oh, look what's really going on there, because mm -hmm. I can feel smart if I see that, and I can probably make more money because yes. I know making money involves, to some extent, predicting the future or at least knowing what's coming. So yeah, no, I think that makes total sense. And I kind of got you off track of your big idea process, it did. It did. but I think it was a good thing because we were able to talk about Rory, which is is a genius, and and uh, I think you just dropped some valuable knowledge there too. I'm always trying to distill that process in my book. Uh, I wrote this concept of like market in motion, where I envision the marketplace running towards a desire, like on a racetrack, and it's our job to kind of like set up shop beside the racetrack to be like, you don't want to wear Adidas. You need these Nikes because they'll get you there faster type of conversation. Again, like they're already in that motion. I, I just have to show them why they need that product or that service well, and, like and, that. And to do that. I like that analogy. I like that analogy. Thank I you. would, I would, I would do like a, um, I want to set up a, uh, you know, like in cartoons, where they have someone or a bunch of people running in a certain way and then like road racer or, you know, the rabbit or someone puts yeah. up like some dummy wall or something. <laughs> and all the people start going that way. Yeah. Instead, right? yeah. It's kind of like that. I want to funnel those people toward my, you know, yeah. toward me. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I put up a toll booth or something. Right. Yeah. Like, you're talking yeah. about. I, I think what you were, it's that mass desire, right? With like Eugene calls it that mass desire. And, and that's exactly, and it's very, it's hard to even talk about on this podcast and understand, but if you spend yourself like enough time with copy and seeing the, what works and what doesn't work, you kind of see this, like this essence of this mass mm -hmm. desire. And every time I think I know what it is, <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> like I get, I am wrong very often with my copy, but I think I am just too slow to stop. <laughs> so I just keep going and then you well, get you know, one that works. And that's the essence of direct response, I think, in a way, is just realizing I could be right or I could be wrong. We got to test it and figure it out. Yeah. You know, I think it's, you know, people are always saying, what's yeah. the right way to do this, right? Should I begin with a story? Should I have a funnel that looks like this? Like, yeah. really, those of us who have done <laughs> this long enough realize you just don't, to, to some extent, you just don't know. You can make a good guess. 100%. And yeah. like, so with my agency, I would always get, what's a good cost per click? And I was like, why are you focused on a metric like a cost per click when like I will pay $1,000 to make $10,000 every day of the week versus if that right. happens at one click, great. If, you know, versus 10 cent clicks <clears throat> and no sales, no good. <laughs> so, yeah, right, right, right. I control the clicks you want. Right. Yeah. There's, there's tons of people visiting this page, but nobody's pulling out their wallet. Like it's not good, you know? And so I spend most of my time kind of demystifying those things. And I, I found that when I was running my agency and uh, that's what kind of led me into the education side and working on it. I want to get back to your process though. And I right. your flow 
And then so we we have the the big idea. The next step was uh, ideas were coming together. I kind of stole your thunder a little bit there. Is that where we are? And I'll, I'll let you lead the way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the basic thing is coming up with ideas can be systematic. Yeah. Right? You can have a process to do that. And it basically involves asking a series of questions, right? How can like, like what are two ideas I could combine might mm -hmm. be one of those questions. What can I add? What can I subtract? What can I divide up? Right. How could I divide this up? Right. That might give you an idea. A lot of times that's that's more of a marketing thing. Right. Mm -hmm. How can I divide this up into separate ads, into separate funnels, into separate products, into yep. separate something? And a lot of times you go, oh, wow, if I did that, that'd be really cool. I could have these separate things. Yeah. Um, so you're to like stages of awareness type thing? Like it could be stages of awareness. It could mm -hmm. be, you know ability to pay it could be yeah this is for left-handed people this is for right-handed people right. right whatever it is it could be you know men women yeah um, get out successful a lot of you know one day the diet industry discovered that if you marketed separately to men and marketed separately to women it it you know increased things because people felt this is for me yeah more yeah. um it, it totally anyway. makes sense so one of my favorites is doing the opposite, right? I think it's so interesting to to think about that. I think um, I, Charlie Munger calls that inverse thinking. I was right? just going to say Charlie Munger. I saw this uh, Alex Hermosi video and he was talking about Charlie Munger and then flipping things in reverse. And so with this podcast, I'm like, what would make the worst podcast in the world? And I'm like, you have a terrible guest. You have, a, I'm like writing all these things. What's left? You just do the opposite of that. No, no, we could, we could mind stuff. We could just be, yeah, not know, talk. <laughs> yeah, we could not talk. We could just do miming or charades yeah. or, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's I, so interesting where your mind goes. And when you realize the negativity bias and how negative we actually are. Yeah. I consider myself a positive person, but when I go down there, I'm like, oh yeah, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. You know what I mean? Like it's so much easier to point that out than what's good, you know? So that's, that's interesting. So it, doing the opposite, you know, is great for headlines, right? Like, yeah. you know, Gary Benzavenga did a headline, uh, get rich slowly, which was such a brilliant opposite of, um, yeah. you know, get rich quick. And it didn't, you know, sometimes the opposite is not the opposite, right? Yeah. That, you know, slow isn't really the opposite. You know, the, I, okay, this is really a tangent, but, Go, bring it. you know, warm is not really the opposite of hot is not really the opposite of cold, mm -hmm. right? You know, uh, cold is here. Hot is here. The sun is <laughs> way a mile away. Yeah. Absolute zero is a mile down there. So hot is not the opposite of cold. Hot yeah. is a little bit warmer than cold, right? On we the just, spectrum of warm and cold. <laughs> so opposites aren't always opposites, right? And yeah. if you're if you're getting quick, if you're getting rich, mm. get getting rich slowly is not much different from getting rich quick. And in fact, it's more believable. Yeah. So right away, it, it gives you believability. It's a little bit of a pattern interrupt because the pattern is get rich quick. So, it, yeah. you know, and then you have all the negative connotations with getting rich quick as well. So all of those things right. are in your mind. And 
yeah. When I um, think of getting rich slowly, I think of that makes sense. And let's invest. <laughs> like Arthur Arthur Johnson did a great promotion. Um, I forget what the headline was. Maybe it was had enough or something like that. And it was kind of like all these things. It was a health promotion. It was like all these things that you think are bad for you are actually either not bad for you or uh, are actually good for you. So stop he, drinking so much water. You can drink coffee. It's, you know, it's okay for you. Smart. And it was just like, wow, I've got permission now to do these things I want to do. Yes. And it was just, again, it wasn't really the opposite. He wasn't saying go crazy and, you know, kill yourself and, you know, yeah. smoke or do, you know, crazy things. He was just kind of saying, you know, but, but, the way it was portrayed, it kind of seemed kind of opposite. And again, it got your attention. It 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 gave you a new way of looking at it. Yeah. So just yeah. this this frame of doing the opposite. Especially in be, that market space too. Like health is, there's a lot going yeah. on there. Um, and well, even, everybody wants to be right. So it's kind of like confirming the like, have you ever see like lose 10 pounds with eating pizza and whatever you want? Like it's kind of that style of like oh i can eat pizza and then but the the secret is you got to count your calories and make sure that it makes sense and all the things right. associated right. with it right like no that's you that's really cool whatever you want but you can only have a little small piece <laughs> so whatever you want you can have chocolate cake this and that but you can only have like a bite <laughs> you know calculus right where you divide a, a, a circle into an infinite number of slices yeah and that's the basis behind calculus is kind of that, right? That's yeah. like the slice you can have is that infinite, that infinitely small <laughs> slice of a pizza. Once a day, once a day, <laughs> you can still eat pizza. Uh, no, I, I, I really like that in a copy perspective because people want to be right and they want to be confirmed as well to be like, yeah, these are my beliefs. I know I shouldn't like, because when I think of drinking, what is it? It's like eight eight ounces, not eight, eight ounces, but eight liters of water. I can't remember what it is or eight cups of water. Well, that's, that's part of the problem is nobody really knows what they're supposed to. But then you hear like on the one side of the spectrum is like, you drink too much water, you die. You, and then you got the other side, you don't drink enough, you die. <laughs> so it's like, what, well, that's what's the right number. That's true. Of, to some extent, that's true of everything in a way. Yeah. That somebody once said, there are no poisons. There are only poisonous doses right? Ooh. Arsenic in very tiny little, you know, is in an apple, right? Is arsenic yeah. in apples. Um, and and as, as you say, enough water will kill you. So <laughs> yeah. What's poison, right? Yeah. I, I like that. I like that a, a lot because like the, the word spectrum, that's kind of cool because in, in the way that you're explaining the hot and the cold and the sun, I don't normally think in those terms, but I get to there, but it's usually a, a totally different way. So I think that's a great way of looking at things. It's it's very smart and and allows you to kind of cut through the fluff. And it's like, what's the opposite of this? Like, what's the complete opposite? Well, what's a, a couple degrees less of this? What's a thousand degrees on this? Like, what what does that look like? And that gives you a world of ideas <clears throat> to choose from and to think about. Um, that's great. I mean. That's a, a what you're bringing up is kind of thinking tools in a certain way, right? Yeah. Which is kind of related to creativity tools, but this idea of thinking on a spectrum, right? What's what's the spectrum of what I'm looking at? And of course, the opposite of that is kind of like this dichotomy of it's this or this, 
Well, yes, maybe it's yes. not. Maybe it's, you know, like how they talk about sexuality now. It's like, it's not yes. you're gay or you're not gay. Yes. Right? You could be more straight. You could be more gay, less gay. You could be in the middle. It's a it's a spectrum. And that's Fluidity, or I think these the word they so use. Many things, whether yeah. it's Republican, Democrat, you know, conservative, having a, you know, point of view, how you look at something. Yeah. Um, you know, another another thing like that is kind of zooming in and zooming out, right? I think a lot of intelligence, a lot of the ability that someone like Jay Abraham has to, yeah. to look at things much more insightfully than we can is he can zoom out like this and see, oh, yeah. here's the picture. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah. and here's what you need to do. You need to tighten that little screw right there, you know? And that's the piece. <laughs> and, out is, and the other thing that I would include with that just because I'm having fun thinking of it and, sure. and kind of codifying it is to be able to free yourself of assumptions, mm -hmm. which I think is the hardest thing to do. Like Very to look hard. at something not from your time, your place. I think that's what the best philosophers do. That's what the best writers do, right? Which yeah. is why they get in trouble sometimes and are seen as politically incorrect because they look at it without all the, this is, you know, uh, what's right, what's wrong, what's moral, what's not moral, yes. what's, you know, what's right within our society. Because after all, you go to another society, it's perfectly it's totally okay. Different. To yeah. Do certain things. Um, what do we in the United States think is right, think is not right? Yeah. Um, what do I, with my upbringing, you know, think is right, like, not like? Yeah. And to be able to just look at something and talk about it free of those kind of preconceptions. That's a skill. Able you to see things and also to be a good writer because people find that very interesting. Yeah. No, I, I think I think you're you're spot on. There's many times that I'll write something and I, I use my wife a lot. I'm like, read this to me. What do you what do you think? Because I have to I have all my biases and I you have to counterbalance it some way. And so I find having somebody that's not in the market altogether just read at it and be like, well, this doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like just having that yeah. third party review that and give me the thumbs up or the thumbs down. And she she is right a lot more than I am. I do a lot of the writing, but she's like, oh, I like this idea. And I'm like, why? She's like, I don't know. I just like it. And I'm like, okay, why is that? And then I'll go and I'll explore it and I'll be able to figure yeah. out what's working. How could you, how could you look yeah. at your own I mean, you were in the factory watching the sausage being made. How 100%. could you take a look at this nice sausage on a plate and yeah, go, yeah. oh, that's so beautiful and delicious. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That, that like, you know, you don't see whether it's good and you don't even see whether it's bad because it's that's like it. you were there making it, it makes and, and you're sense. invested in it. If it's bad, you got to, <laughs> I think that's the worst thing about copywriting. Like, like yeah. I always, I, I, the, the, designers I work with will kill me. But I always think that it's must be great to be a designer because if it's bad, you can just kind of go push change this color, change up, okay, make this line, okay, we're done. Whereas if the copy's bad, it's like oh it's another four hundred hours. Yeah. I already in print. Like this is you can't change this. or you can and you have to. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then you gotta go back to the drawing board and go back to the drawing board. And then I change this 
and I change the opening because the opening's no good, but that means that the ending is no good and everything in between is now out of sync. And yes. I've got and so, go back and like <clears throat> so I've been using uh chat a lot for just different perspective as well on my writing, which has been interesting because I'll be like, review this and it'll give me ideas. And I'll say, why did you say that? And then it'll give me uh, all this different reasons why I said that. I was like, I didn't even think of that. That is a cool, there's an entire idea within that as well. And it just gives you that perspective. I, I guess that's the word we're looking for is perspective to be able to, to see the idea from all angles and all sides, which yeah. is, is a hard thing to do. Yeah, it is a hard thing to do. And that's something that, you know, chat can really help with. Yeah. Is, you know, I I think that's one of the best uses of it, right? Because it may give you 10 things and nine of those things may be garbage, but, or at least no better than you could do or a little worse than you could do. But yeah. that 10th thing is like, oh, I never looked at it that way. Yeah. And you may yeah. not use that headline, but you may use that way of looking at it that came up yes. with that headline. Yeah, it's like then it becomes that lens of which you write it through, which is really yeah. really cool. No, that that's awesome. And uh, in, in your process, is there? Do you do anything uh, like so? You're going step by step down your process to figure out the big idea. Is there anything that you do that's different than than most people? Like, so I'll give you an example. It was very hard for me in my book to explain. I write something, I I go eat a sandwich, <laughs> I go for a walk for an hour, and then I have a shower, and then then I come back and I'm able to see what I didn't see before. So it was hard for me to like articulate how I came up with those things. And it was unique to me. Do you have something, do you have that process solved for, for most people? Or do you still have your kind of unique quirks that you use when you're writing? Well, I certainly have my unique quirks. Um... When you say came up with those things, you mean came up with walking the, away, taking yeah, a like shower. the idea. So you know, you're sitting here, you get the lightning bolt. You're like, "This is a great idea." You write it all down, and then you're trying to read it, but I, I can't edit it then because if I do, it's yeah. it's going to be terrible. So then, for I don't know what happens to my mind when I go for a, a walk, and then I get a shower for some reason. Those things in combination outside air with water my mind like i get a ton of different ideas oh i should have did it like this or oh i should have did it like yeah. I, and it's very hard for me to be like go for a walk and get a shower with <laughs> somebody and explain yeah, how i came like, up with that idea yeah but you can <laughs> distill it to its essence which is do something else yeah just like get, I mean? because get when, sometimes your mind gets stuck on things and yes. when you you know when you when you look away and then look back, it's different. Just like if I look at your face and I look away and then I look back, I I see you yeah. have glasses and a mustache and a beard and you know, yeah, uh, you're wearing a t-shirt with things that I wouldn't have seen before. Yeah. Because you know, our minds sort of go into neutral gear a yeah. little bit. And or it's just like doing the same repetitive process and it's like breaks up that monotony i guess plus it wakes um, you up you know it, it invigorates yeah, you changes your state and when you change your state yeah i change my thinking maybe but it's specifically going for a walk and then a shower and that combination it's like a home run recipe for me i don't know why i don't know i was wondering if it's like unique to me or or what the situation was and i've talked to other copywriters and they're like a walk is good 
uh, most of the time, but for some reason, water is like during the walk, I think of nothing. And then I get in the water and then I get these ideas. So it's just like, I was just curious if, if it was similar to you or you had your own unique process that you kind of did to, to cleanse the palate, so to speak. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's two types of things, right? One is kind of that process of going, doing something else, go play piano, go for a walk, whatever it is mm -hmm. you like to do. Uh, moving is always good, right? Uh, there are scientific studies that show you're more creative, you have higher cognitive function when you're walking for some reason, some primeval evolutionary thing invigorates your neurons or whatever, or whatever it is, especially walking in nature. Um, but that's kind of, you know, the, the thinking fast, thinking slow book, right? That's the thinking slow in a way. It's slowing you down. Yes. And then to me, the thinking fast is, is the opposite. It's kind of, instead of looking away, it's kind of going in and going through the systematic list of questions, right? Yeah. What, how can I do the opposite? How can I this? What is this? Or going through even a checklist of, you know, kind of a checklist of, is this really a good idea? Is it big enough? Is it, does it have emotional emotion attached to it? Yeah. If it didn't work, why would I say it didn't work? Right. Yeah. If I, you know, a couple months from now and it's been tested and it failed, what are the reasons it failed? So it's yeah. kind of a pre-mortem. It's the, the framework in which you can rely on and always go back to it <clears throat> because like, it is hard to do that other movement stuff. So at least you have that systematic process that you can ask the questions and do that. Is there any way that my audience can get access to these questions? Do you have a, a website that we can send them to and, uh, and help you get, uh, get the word out? Yeah. Um, they can go to, uh, speaking of copy. <laughs> I keep saying that speakingofwriting.com speakingofwriting.com and they can get there's a report there that they can get which is um about how to come up with ideas um which gives some some basic uh, ways of coming up with ideas and then but that'll also kind of give you directions to the course on uh called idea power which is much cool. more in depth in terms of the exact process. That, that's awesome. I have one more question that I have for you, David, that I ask all my guests. If you could go back in time and speak to a younger version of yourself, do you have one piece of a tidbit information thought that you wish you knew in your earlier journey? God, there are so many. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'll I'll just throw a bunch of them out, but sure. learn the basics. That was always hard for me. I tend to get bored easily. And so I know a lot about, you know, I know, I know, I don't know a lot. I know this much about a lot of subjects, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, um, it's like when I studied language and I studied Spanish, I was really good at doing a Spanish accent and I was really good like the first week of Spanish, but then I didn't do the memorizing the vocabulary words. I didn't do the spelling, studying of the grammar. So yeah. I would much more quickly do the, the basics of really studying ads forensically, as Jay Abraham said, of really- The foundational stuff. The foundational stuff. Yeah. I would not worry so much about perfection 
I would worry more about volume. Um, and I would remember to kind of stop before I do things, before I start writing copy and mm -hmm. really think more. I, I, I tend to be a little bit like, let me just start writing. And then I'll get to the end, then I'll go back. Okay, oh, well, that wasn't right. You know, that was based <laughs> on a wrong premise, right? Yeah. But if I think about the premises first, then yeah. I don't, you know, do that. And that's something I wish I had learned a lot earlier. I still wish I spent more time before yeah. I write than, you know, than, than actual writing, that there was more of a switch. Yeah, there. same, um, same. I, I love that. I love that. Well, David, thank you very much for coming on the show. I appreciate you oh, my, and your time. My pleasure. All right. Thanks for coming on. All right. Take care. Bye-bye, everyone. Drop the mic on that one. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode. I absolutely loved creating it. Like my job is, is pretty sweet. I get to talk to wicked smart people about my favorite topic on the planet, which is copywriting, marketing, and direct response. And I get paid to do that. Can you believe that? Somebody pinch me, pinch me. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed that episode. And if you didn't take away one, two, three, ten nuggets, uh, you weren't probably listening. You weren't paying attention. Uh, because there was so much value that could be unpacked there. And hopefully you're enjoying these episodes. I'm absolutely love creating them for you. And if you could, wherever you're listening to this, please like, rate, and subscribe. And I'll see you in the next one. Peace.